0: your Bible, please join me in the book of Psalms, Psalm 34 and verse 19 this morning. We've been uh, teaching and preaching on the promises of God. And today I'll be concluding that, a series of sermons on the promises of God. As we come to this promise, and this is the promise of divine rescue, the divine uh, promise of deliverance. A very often quoted passage of scripture but one which uh, is worth our attention this morning and worthy of our study. Psalm 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, someone say but. Aren't you glad God can turn the course of history and change the course of events in your life? But the Lord delivers him out of them all. If you are a child of God, you're righteous by faith in Jesus this morning, you have a promise from God that he will rescue you and that he will deliver you out of all your afflictions. Father God, we pray again that you would speak to us this morning. Your life-giving word is able to speak to the need of our heart. And today I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach and preach the word of the living God. I ask you to anoint this congregation also as they hear the word that it might bear fruit in their lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The scripture says, as many as are the promises of God, they are yes and amen for the believer. And so this morning we come to this promise, and it is a tremendous promise, a promise that... uh, Uh, holds and contains a great importance and significance for the life of the believer, especially in times of difficulty and times of of trial. The scripture gives us two phrases here. The first of them is not a promise. I want you to be able to distinguish the difference this morning. When he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. He's not promising to send affliction into your life. Someone should say, thank you, Jesus, for that. God doesn't send affliction into our life. The affliction that comes into the life of people is the result of a fallen world. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, the world fell from that original state of perfection and innocence. Man and woman were uh, to come under a curse that would cause great Struggles and conflict in their life, and the earth came under the curse as well. And it became a place that rather than bearing a fruitful gardens would become a place full of thorns and weeds. And you know what will happen in a field today if you leave it unattended or unmowed that those thorns and those thistles will rise up. It's the reminder that the earth is under a curse, and so in this broken and fallen world, there has come the consequence of sin. The consequence of sin was said, uh, God said it to Adam, he said, in the day that you eat of the tree, you will surely die. And so death came into the world, and death brought a sickness and disease, decay, aging, all of these things which we know, and all of these things which produce hardships in in human lives, flooding, uh, and hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, and Uh, diseases like cancer, things that are uh, beyond human uh, repair, beyond human uh, uh, power. And these things might seem that they come from God. And in fact, many times they call really bad events acts of God. They're not acts of God. They're the results of the absence of God in a world that rejected the presence of God. When Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden, they didn't just sin against his holiness. They sinned against his goodness. And in the loss of his presence, they uh, brought the entire world under this affliction. And so when the psalmist says many are the afflictions of the righteous, he's not promising that trouble will come your way because God sent it. But rather he's stating the reality that if you live long enough in this world, you will face trouble. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. He was stating again the reality of our world, that this world uh, is filled with trouble. The the book of Job says that man was made for trouble as the sparks fly upward. And so because we live in this uh, fallen and troubled world, Jesus gave us a promise. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. You may live in a fallen world, but you have a risen Savior, and He is the hope of the just and of the righteous. He is the hope of the believer in every season and every time of life, every hardship of life. But the promise is in the second phrase of the verse. He says, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. And so we have this promise before us this morning. It is the promise of Of God's salvation, the promise of divine rescue, a promise of deliverance. Maybe you don't need this promise this morning, but just pack it in your pocket there. Because someday, sooner or later, you will face trouble in this life. And when you face that trouble, and maybe it seems like it's insurmountable and no way around it and no way out. Then you need to remember what God has promised to you as his child, that he will deliver you out of trouble every affliction, out of every trouble. This psalm is an important psalm. It's a significant psalm in the life of David. If your Bible uh, has there the heading under Psalm 34, it reads the psalm of David when he feigned madness before Abimelech. This is a a low place in the life of David. David had been chased by Saul. Uh, There was a threat to kill him. There was a a mark on his life. He was a marked man. He was a targeted man. And so he went across the borders of Israel into the, the, the region of the Palestinians or the I should say the Philist- the Philistines. These were the same people he had defeated as a young boy when he faced Goliath and he had destroyed their champion and he had led Israel to a great battle. On another occasion he had destroyed 400 Philistines and, and brought Uh, their heads to the uh, king of Israel. And so now we see him having to go into the Philistine camp and being uh, uh, now chased by his own king, by King Saul, he finds himself in a great deal of trouble. He goes into the city of Gath. This was the place that Goliath was from. He was well known in that part of the world. He had, of course, destroyed their champion. The scripture says that in order to avoid being captured, by the Philistines, he feigned madness. He pretended to be crazy. He pretended to be a madman. Scripture says that he let the a saliva run down his beard and chin, and he pretended to have lost his mind. He carried on among them as though he was a fool. And when they saw him, rather than think, oh, this is the great champion David, they said, oh, my goodness, look what happened to David. He has lost his mind uh, and they had pity on him, and then rather than incarcerate him, they let him go. You can see how that would be a tremendous low point in the life of this great champion. Not only was he the champion who had de- defeated Goliath, but he bore on him the anointing of God to be the king of Israel. He would someday become the crowned king of the the people of God, and yet right now he finds himself in the deepest, darkest valley that his soul had ever been in. Friends, I want to tell you this morning that maybe you've gone through the same valley, the valley of shame and dishonor, the valley of no reputation, the valley of loss of all things, where it seemed like your dream has gone to die, and where it seems like your past successes have, have vanished away in the dust. But I have, a, I have good news for you this morning, and that is that David discovered that even there, God is a faithful God, and that God is a dependable God. And this is what he did. He came out of that place, and he went back to that cave of Adullam where he had been hiding out, and he wrote these words. And the scholars believe that he read them to his uh, army, to his men. And these were the words that came from that low point in David's life. Verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will boast in the Lord, and the humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Come on, does somebody still have their song in the midst of the valleys of life? Do you still have a praise for God? He said, I sought the Lord. And he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. David experienced God's promise of deliverance. He said he delivered me from all of my fears. Fear is not the will of God for your life. Fear is not the presence of God in your life. The Bible says that uh, where there is love, the love of God casts out all fear. Fear is the tool of the enemy. He wants to uh, control your life with fear. He wants to control your your decisions with fear. And many times, the power of fear is so great that it will cause people to freeze or to seize uh, in their life and be unable to uh, accomplish the greater things that God has designed for them. Fear is the strategy of the enemy, it is a tool of Satan that he has used from the beginning. Even when he came to tempt Eve in the Garden of Eden, he used fear, the fear of not knowing, the fear of missing out. He comes all throughout the scriptures, and we see him bringing the same strategy against people. And in the end times, he's going to use fear, the fear of hunger, the fear of lack, the fear of death to bring many under the a power of the Antichrist. And David experienced that fear. He experienced that fear when King Saul uh, threw a spear at him trying to pin him to the wall. He experienced fear when he went into the uh, Philistine camp and tried to save himself by acting the part of a fool. Yet in the midst of that darkness, he discovered that God will deliver you from fear. Maybe this morning you have the fear. Of the unknown, you've received a call from the doctor. They say, we need to speak to you as soon as possible. You need to come in as soon as possible. Maybe your lawyer has called you and said, I have some bad news for you or for your business or for your case. Maybe you face the fear and anxiety of the loss of something that you once treasured or once counted on. The loss of a job or the loss of a particular array of pay. And This morning you wonder, how am I going to make it? How am I going to get through? I have an answer for you. The same answer that God gave to David. The Bible says, David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. The promise for deliverance from fear has a condition. The condition is that you and I should seek the Lord. That you and I should go after God. That we should pursue God. David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Now when, when we see the word seek, we don't understand that to mean that God is lost and we need to find him. But rather that we are to pursue God. That we are to pursue a relationship with God. He said, seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart. God is not playing hide and seek with you this morning. God is not uh, playing games with you. He wants you to seek him. And he says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you will uh, search for God, friend, you will find him. You will discover that he is the ever-present help in the day of trouble and that he is a constant friend and companion for the hour of your greatest need. There is no fear in the presence of God. When you seek the Lord, when you come into his presence, your fears vanish in the light of his glory and in the reality that he is the all-powerful God who can do anything and everything that you and I could need or ask. He is able to dispel fear because he knows the future. You and I have fear because we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we have a God who does. We have a God who not only knows what tomorrow holds, but he holds tomorrow, and he is the author of your life, he is the author of history, and he wants to deliver you from all of your fears. The psalmist said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then at the end of the psalm, he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is with me. And if the Lord is with you, friend, you don't have to be afraid. Get up and face tomorrow with courage, because God will deliver you from all of your fears. If you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. In verse 6, David says, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him, or delivered him from all of his troubles. The promise of deliverance is not only a promise of deliverance from fear, but it is also a promise of deliverance from trouble. This word trouble in the in the uh, English, or I should say in the Hebrew, is a word which means anguish, a, 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 a word that means suffering. We think of trouble like you know, having a flat tire on the way to work or, or running out of a particular ingredient for your meal or maybe having an unexpected bill uh, come in the mailbox. But sometimes life brings real trouble, the kind of trouble that doctors can't heal. Anguish, the kind of anguish that is caused by sickness and disease, by chronic suffering. There are uh, there are many who have experienced anguish, the anguish of physical disease and, and uh, suffering that comes to the human life. Job experienced that kind of suffering. The Bible says that uh, uh, Job cursed the day he was born. He, he would rather not live than to live in suffering and to go through hardship and pain and uh, to go through the, uh, the uh, wasting away of his physical body. There are, uh, there's a, a phrase in the book of Job where his friends are kind of rebuking him because of the, the things that are uh, coming out of his, of his mouth and the, the way he's responding to certain situations. And he says to them, Don't you know that the words of a suffering man belong to the wind? In other words, Job says, Don't listen to me right now. Because when, I'm, when, I, when, the, when the person is going through suffering, when they're going through pain, they say things they don't really mean. And sometimes that can be a, a hardship in the life of those who care for them. But Job experienced that level of suffering. And I want you to know not only Job experienced that, but Jesus did too. In fact, the Bible says that he became the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. He was despised and forsaken of men. Jesus took our anguish, our disease, our sickness on the cross. And so, because he took it, today he can deliver you from it. And he says that by his stripes you are healed. If you believe that, shout amen. There's also the anguish, the suffering that comes to the human heart, to the human soul. That's an emotional suffering, which the proverb says that when the heart is sick, even uh, the body can't be lifted up. There is a sickness that comes to the human heart, that comes to the mind, that comes to the emotions. Sometimes we call it depression. In other generations, they called it melancholy. It's that kind of anguish that torments the mind. Perhaps it's the, uh, the knowledge of a sinful past, a guilty conscience wasting away at the mind. Maybe it is a lot of, a worry and and frustration over things that you can't change that has clouded your mind with, with, uh, with anguish and with torment. Maybe you can't sleep at night because of the tormenting thoughts and difficulties of life. Maybe it's because of the experience of rejection of the loss of people who said they would be there in the hour of your need. And this anguish can be so wasting, so devastating to the human heart, to the human life. David is calling out, and he says, this poor man, he he describes himself as a poor man, as a man who has come to the very end of his resources and the end of his life. He was in the anguish and the the torment of having experienced all of these hardships in his life. Friends, Jesus did the same thing. He experienced the anguish and torment Of our sin, our anxiety was carried by Christ on the cross. Our depression, our discouragement, our anguish was carried by Jesus on the cross. Listen, friends, everybody experiences pain sometime or other in their life. Life hurts. That's a reality. Painful experiences come into every life. The problem uh, is not that or the issue is not that pain will come. The issue is what will you do with your pain? Will you turn your pain into bitterness and resentment? Will you turn it into harshness and, and uh, 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 meanness toward life and toward people? Or will you turn it over to God? Because you see, friend, if you will let your pain and your suffering become bitterness in your life, you will be hard to live with and you'll have a hard time living with yourself. But if you'll bring that pain to God, if you'll put it in the hands of Jesus, he is the mender of the broken heart. He is the healer of the soul. He is the one who is able to deliver you from the anguish and the torment of the mind. The Apostle John said, even if my conscience condemns me, even if my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart. David discovered that God was able to deliver him from anguish. Here's what he said. This is the key. He said, this poor man cried. What does that mean? He called out to God. David knew there was a a way out of anguish, a way out of the affliction of his body and that was to cry out to God. Listen, friends, listen, church, you and I still have a key that works. It still opens the door of heaven. It still opens the door to miracles. It still releases the power of God in our life. Come on, I still believe in the power of prayer. I still believe that if you call upon God, He will answer you. Come on, is there a believing church in the house of God this morning? I said, is there a believing church in the house of God this morning? Do you still believe that God hears the cry of the saint, that he still hears the cry of the righteous. He said, I cried, and the Lord heard me. Listen, we have a God who answers prayer. The Bible shows him to be the God who answers by fire. He is the God that shows up when no one else does. He is the God that runs in when everyone else is running out. He is the God that answers prayer. And today, if you want an answer from God, all you need to do is take a hold of the name of Jesus and go before the throne of grace and you can find that you have a God who answers prayer, a God who delivers out of fear, out of anguish when we call upon his name. He says, they will call upon me and I will answer them. And friends, that's just how close you are to God right now. You're just as close as a prayer. You say, well, don't I need to go to a seminary? Don't I need to be a particular class of Christian? No, David said, this poor man, this wretch of a man at the bottom of life's ladder called upon God and found that God answered him. And he will answer you. And then in verse 19, David tells us of the third thing God delivered him from. And he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Afflictions are are different from anguish. Anguish is an internal problem. Affliction is external. It comes from the outside. It comes from forces that we don't have control over, and it comes in order to destroy and to hinder the plan of God and the purpose of God in our life. The scripture says that the nation of Israel, there were 70 people in total, went into the land of Egypt. They went into Egypt because there was a severe famine in the land, and God had provided for their rescue through his servant Joseph. They went into the land. They were given the land of Goshen. It was a fertile land, a land of very great abundance, ideal for raising sheep and cattle, and this was something that the Jews were good at or the Hebrews were good at and something which the Egyptians despised, and so they gave them this land And the people of Israel began to multiply. From 70, they became 1,000. They became 2,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 40,000. They began to increase. And eventually, the Bible says that there came a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. He did not understand the history, the context of why the Hebrews were there. He didn't realize that the Hebrews were the blessing of Egypt. And so the Bible says that he afflicted them. He made them the slaves of Egypt. He put them into slavery. He made them a bond to the yoke of slavery so that they wouldn't become greater than the Egyptians. He said, if I allow these people to grow, they're going to grow so much, they'll become more than all of the Egyptians. He made them his slaves. He caused them to build his cities. He made them make brick and mortar, and he he created a a workforce out of the the nation of Israel, out of the people of God, and uh, this affliction was meant to keep them small, to keep them out of their promise, to keep them out of their strength, but what happened was that God caused them to grow anyway. Say amen, somebody. Listen, it doesn't matter what anybody tries to do to you. It doesn't matter when any, who tries to stop you. You're a child of God. No one can stop you. I said, you're a child of God. No one can stop you. We've got to stop giving in to the, the lies of our age and the lies of our culture. People say, well, it's because I was born a certain skin color. And they're, they're always keeping me down. You have a new family now. You belong to the race of heaven. You're a child of the living God. Nobody can keep you down. Nobody can keep you back. Say amen, somebody. Even if if you are at the back of the line, when God decides to bless you, he'll bring you up to the front and make sure you get what he promised in your life. And so they went from 40,000, 50,000, 100,000, 500,000, a million. Some scholars say as many as 2 million people They were slaves, but they were growing. They were in affliction, but they were increasing in number. And finally, the Bible says that one day, Moses had an encounter with God on the side of of Mount Oreb. And there before a burning bush, he met with the living God of Israel. And he said to him, Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I have seen the affliction of my people. Oh, church, I've come to tell you this morning, you have a God who sees. You might think nobody saw what I'm going through. Nobody saw uh, what I experienced. You might think no one saw the tears you have shed. Or no one saw the seed you've sown. Or no one saw the sacrifice you made. But I have a guarantee for you, God is a God who sees. And God knows. God understands. He knows what you're going through. He knows what it's like because he came and he was just like us. He experienced the human experience and he experienced the same troubles and afflictions that, uh, that plague all of humanity. He said, Moses, I have seen the affliction of my people because of their taskmasters and I have heard their cry. Not only is he a God who hears, but he is a God who, or a God who sees, but he's also a God who hears. He hears, he pays attention to the cry, to the supplication, to the petition of his people. He said, I have heard their cry because of the affliction of this of this bondage that they're in. And then God added one more thing, and he said, I have come down to deliver them. Oh, friends, our God is not a God who's far away. He is a God who is near. The gods of this world, they demand, hey, come up here, be like me. But our God said, no, I'll come down to you. When you couldn't come to where he was, he came to where you were in order to deliver you and save you and to to show you his might and strength. Come on, somebody. You ought to give God praise because he is the God who comes down. He comes down and he condescends to our level. He comes down to deliver. He said, I have come down to to deliver. And oh, did he deliver. God Delivers. Say that with me this morning. God delivers. The Bible says he came down and he brought ten judgments upon the nation of Israel, of Egypt. He made that powerful nation buckle at the knees. Ten plagues he brought upon that land until they were willing to release his people from their bondage. I told you there's no one that can keep you back. There's no one that can keep you down. You are a child of the living God. The devil has been defeated at the cross of Jesus Christ, and he cannot hold back the child of God. If you will believe God, friend, you will see the deliverance of God in your life. And in one night, the, the Egyptians, they spoiled themselves. They went into their houses, and they brought all their gold, their silver, their precious things, and fine clothing, and they gave them to the, to the Israelites and in one night, Israel got 400 years of back pay. Everything that they had lost during that, uh, during that period of slavery was restored to them. Come on, is there anybody that's lost anything this morning? Has the devil stolen anything from you? Don't worry about it. Don't cry about it. Leave it in God's hands. He will restore to you the years that the canker worm is eaten and that that the locust has stolen. God is a restorer. Come on, somebody. You don't have to look like what you came through. You don't have to look like the places that you have survived. That's God's promise for you. And the next morning they left Egypt. They left by the mighty and strong arm of the Almighty God. They came to the borders of Egypt. They came to the edge of the sea, the Red Sea. And Pharaoh came pursuing them. He realized he had just lost the entire economy of the nation of Egypt. And as he pursued them, the people became afraid. They thought, we've come out to the desert to to be buried in the desert. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? And they began to to murmur and complain. And Moses went to God and said, oh, God, what do I do now? These people are about to stone me. And God said, what are you doing talking to me? Go forward. Come on, somebody, do you hear God saying to you this morning, go forward? I said, go forward. There's no one that can stop you. There's nothing that can stop the child of God. You're the one that's going to decide whether you're going to get stuck in the pit or whether you're going to go forward. But he said, Moses, tell the people to go forward. And Moses raised up his staff over that mighty sea. And the scripture says that a wind came, that wind that came from the presence of God. And it parted that sea. And they crossed on dry ground. And when they got to the victory side, they danced and they sang. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord will deliver them from them all. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. Because he is a mighty deliverer. What did they do? They called upon God in their affliction. The psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. They come from all places. They come from all sides but the Lord. How many of you have a testimony this morning where you would say, I would have been destroyed but the Lord. I would have already been defeated but the Lord. I would have already been in a grave. But the Lord delivered me out of them all. Come on, somebody. Is there anything God cannot do for you? If you will call upon him, he'll answer you. If you'll seek him, you will find him. And if you are bound, he will deliver you. Now you say, Pastor, these promises, they're all in the Old Testament. Are are they still available to me this morning? The answer is yes. Everybody say yes. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, he said, My persecutions and my sufferings have been great. He said, My persecutions and my sufferings came upon me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And what persecutions I have endured. At Antioch and uh, Iconium and Lystra, Paul had fallen into trouble. When he got to Lystra, the people, the Jews, came from Antioch and Lystra, uh, or uh, Iconium, and, and they got with the people at Lystra, and they, they formed a conspiracy against Paul. They rose up fiercely against him, and they stoned him, calling him a blasphemer. After they had uh, pelted him with stones, they dragged him through the streets. They dragged him out of the city, and they left him for dead. Three wounds Paul experienced that day. He experienced the physical wound of being stoned. That same wound we've talked about, about sickness and anguish. Then he experienced the emotional wound of being abandoned and of being left for dead. Then he experienced the the moral wound, the wound of being dragged through the cities, embarrassment and shame. The Bible says it. That he uh, recounting this to Timothy, he says, "Great was my affliction. I endured it." He said, "Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them." Come on, somebody! It doesn't matter what you face or when you face it. The Lord can deliver you from all of them, from every wound, from every scar, from every affliction. Paul gives the testimony that the Lord delivered him from all of them. What did did Paul do when he was stoned, dragged through the streets, and left for dead? The Bible says he got up. Come on, tell your neighbor, get up. Oh, it's easy to sit down. It's easy to quit. It's easy to give up. It's easy to say, I'm done. I'm out. Count me out. You You can give up or you can get up. Come on, is there a church in here this morning? I said, you can give up or you can get up. If you want to sit down, God will sit down with you. But if you want to get up, God will get up with you and he will show you his strength and his might. The Bible said Paul got up and he walked back into the city and he kept preaching. Oh, what a man. But that man was no ordinary man. He was a man filled with the spirit of God. He was a child of God. Guess what? You're no less than Saul or you're no less than Paul this morning. You have the same spirit working on the inside of you. And he's telling you, get up in the name of Jesus and keep going, keep preaching, keep proclaiming, keep believing, keep praying, and keep receiving because you are a child of God. And then he went to the next city. And the Bible said he encouraged the lives of the disciples. Instead of telling them, look at these wounds, look at these scars. Oh, you don't know what I've been through. And you don't know how hard it's been he starts to tell them, you know what, you can make it. You can do it. What do you need to do today? You need to turn that sad story into a a word of encouragement. You need to turn that negative confession into a positive word of hope for somebody to tell them, look, God is able. God is at work. God has not left you. God has not abandoned you. He encouraged the souls of the disciples, and the Bible says that he told them through much affliction we must Enter the kingdom of God. He was saying, look, we've been through a lot, and we're going to go through a lot more, but we must force our way into the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. There's a courage that rises up in the heart of the righteous. And he says with the prophet, the righteous man falls down seven times, but seven times he gets back up. Why? Because he is indwelled by the almighty power of the living God. Come on, saints, you are a child of the living God, a righteous, called out son of heaven. And this morning... He says, get up, go forward, move on. God will deliver you, and he will bring you into a stable place. The hymn writer wrote, just as I am, though tossed about, through many a conflict and many a doubt, fears within and fighting without, O Lamb of God, I come. How do you come to God, friend? You come just as you are. From that place of trouble. From that place of anguish. From that place of of need. Come to him just as you are. He's not waiting for you to clean up. He's not waiting for you to clean up your act. He's waiting for you to call upon him. Friend, there is a Deliverance that God wants to bring into the human heart, into the human life. The Bible calls it salvation. We've talked about deliverance from fear and deliverance from anguish and deliverance from affliction. But there is a deliverance that everyone needs. It is a deliverance from the power of sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all destined to hell without God. Because of sin. That's not God's will for your life. The Bible says He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And what did God do for you? How did He provide for your deliverance? He sent His Son Jesus to the cross. And at the cross, the penalty for your salvation was paid. You can be delivered this morning from the power of sin. You can be delivered this morning from the wrath of God and from a coming hell if you call on Jesus. David said, this poor man cried. David was conscious of his, sick, of his uh, a sick soul. He was conscious of his sin. He was conscious of his brokenness. But he called on God from that place just as he was. And God answered him. And this morning, no matter where you are, where you've been, what you've been through, what you've come through, God is waiting for you. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, he's waiting for you to call upon him. You see, he won't, he won't come by force. He won't come into your life. He won't uh, invade your heart by force. You have to choose him. You have to say yes to him. If you'll answer yes to him, if you'll give him your heart, he'll come into your life and he'll set you free. The Bible says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's freedom in Christ for you this morning. And there is freedom from sin, freedom from addiction, and freedom from death only in Christ. You'll find that freedom in no other place We we sing in our nation, this proud land of the free, home of the brave. But America can't save you from sin. Only Jesus Christ can do that. He went to the cross and he shed his blood. That your chains might be broken and that your soul might be set free. When Jesus began his ministry, he began saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to set at liberty, a captive. And this morning, if that's you, his word to you is the same as it was when he began his ministry 2,000 years ago. His anointing is able to destroy the yoke and to make you free and free indeed. If you believe that, say amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Blessed be the name of the Lord. All over this room, just begin to pray. If you have a need, pray. If you don't have a need, pray for somebody that does. I guarantee you, somebody near you, somebody around you, maybe you, needs deliverance this morning. Maybe you've been in a rut, you've been in a a routine, you're tired, you say, God, I need things to change. This morning, He will deliver you. Come on, all over this room, be in prayer. Stand before God in prayer this morning. I'm going to make a couple of invitations, but I want you just begin to prepare your heart as we make these invitations this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. And that through his shed blood, freedom is available for sinners. Salvation is available for the lost. And you want to make people free this morning, and I ask you to do that. I ask you to bring conviction to every heart this morning that's lost without you. Let the Holy Spirit bring conviction of sin of rather and of judgment. That there might be a turning of the heart toward God this morning. Father, I believe that they're not here by accident this morning. They're here because you brought them to this house, because you want to make them free. And I ask you to manifest your power on their behalf in the name of Jesus. If you're in here this morning, you say, Pastor Isaac, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus as my Lord. If that's your decision this morning, would you just raise your hand real high so I can see it? I want to pray with you. If there's anybody in here that says that, I see you back there. Anybody else? I see you here, sir. Anybody else? I see you there. Today is a day of salvation. Now is the time. You don't have to wait. It's dangerous to wait. But If you'll say yes to Christ today, he'll receive you. Anybody else, maybe you're online, you're watching this morning, make that decision today. As we continue in prayer, if you raised your hand, would you do me a favor and just come stand with me here at this altar? I promise I won't embarrass you, but I want to pray with you. Myself and the elders are going to pray with you this morning. Elders, would you come near? This is your day. Christ is calling. The Bible says today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. I want to welcome those of you who've come. Anybody else that needs to come, please come. Jesus is the answer for what you need. He's the hope of your life. The Bible said, no one who ever called upon the name of the Lord has ever been turned away. No chance of rejection with him. Would you bow your heads all over this room? Let's pray together. Those who've come, pray this prayer with me this morning, and then someone's going to pray with you individually. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned, and I deserve judgment. But this morning, I fall upon your mercy, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. to give me a new life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And this morning, by faith, I receive the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, some of you whispered that prayer, but I guarantee you, God heard it. God heard it as the elders pray with you this morning. Just allow Christ to fill your life and your heart. The Holy Spirit is coming into your life right now to make a difference. Brother Bill, would you come help me, please? Coming all over this room. Take a hold of this promise. There is freedom in Christ. He will deliver you. Now, this is my second invitation this morning. You say, Pastor, I need a breakthrough in my life. Maybe it's trouble you're in. Maybe it's affliction. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's something else. But this morning, you say, I need a breakthrough in my life. Would you just come into this altar? Put yourself in a position for God to touch you, for God to minister to you by the power of his spirit. He will deliver you. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord. But the Lord. Come on, God is on your side. God is for you. And if God is for you, then who can be against you? Blessed be the name of Jesus.